Kane is there, and so is Wanyama! A home debut goal. That's a good one. Okay. He's on the box. We have a goal! Musapolo Polonia has made it 2-0 to the Scorpions. It's an empty stadium, but the roofs of the Independence Stadium are coming down. I can feel. I use ball again. It's really, it's absolutely brilliant. And Kunis takes advantage. And Ghana in total command here. Header, St. George. Now Hardeman. Cuts it in. Adriana Leon. What a hit! What a great goal! Canada take the lead! And it's Adriana Leon with a rocket into the top corner! Larin gathering it in. Does Canada look to find some early momentum? Well, Davies arriving! Oh! oh, Canada! Their time has come! And it is their shining star, Alfonso Davies, who scores their So a Kenyan, a Gambian, and a Canadian Ghanaian walk into a... No, this isn't a joke, guys. This is literally the intro. Um, <laughs> yo, so back and joyous, man. We talk a lot of football. We got our takes. Uh, we support different clubs everywhere. And honestly, it's all about African and Canadian football overall. So enjoy the conversation. We'll bring on guests. We'll have different conversations. But it's really just about where the sport is and where it could go. So sit back and enjoy this week's episode. So, random thoughts on a Thursday. Welcome to the podcast. We had a couple things that were set up, but then different scheduling conflicts kind of popped in. Uh, recording this on a Thursday, April the 20th, uh, the 420, shall we say. Uh, happy birthday to Sarah out there. Um, you know who you are. Uh, happy birthday to you. Hayden, you have a happy birthday as well. But no, yeah, it's been an interesting day. Um, I spent this day, you know, doing not much. Uh, took half the day off uh, because drove all week last week. Decided needed just a morning just to catch up. So I did that. But it's interesting what we're looking at today. Today's going to be a bit more uh, Canada soccer focused. Uh, interesting things happened today. Um, Very interesting things. We had the... Uh, announcements an interesting announcement of the joint uh, women's world cup bid by the u.s and mexico which brought up a, a few interesting responses from canadians um from the standpoint of just well why wasn't canada involved if they're going to do the men and realistically canada did just host a world cup back in 2015 that would have been just 10 years ago you know it would have been 10 years ago in two years so eight years ago we hosted the World Cup after hosting the U-20s uh, nine years ago. So eight and nine years. So FIFA doesn't generally like to go back to location. So I can understand why they wouldn't come in. This brought up interesting conversations in terms of just, well, if we remember what was happening in that World Cup. Um, yeah, the women played on turf. That's true. It was a controversy. Which, which does bring up an interesting point, which is just, we, yeah, we don't 
have many grass pitches in Canada with substantial with substantial capacity to be honest which is I think something that is hurting us I understand the reason why you would want uh, more you'd want artificial turf fields I understand that um, there's a notion that it does help and it's easier to maintain but I mean when you get to hotter temperatures I mean that was one of the big complaints when it came to the Women's World Cup back in 2015 just the pitches were just hot there was no, I think even at that point, Moncton may have been grass, but then they made them switch to turf, which is an interesting choice. Maybe the thought process is just keep everything consistent. Um, that's a choice. So I don't know why that would be the thing you chose. And it's also kind of on my mind because I've been watching the uh, CONCACAF qualifications for the women's under 20. We just saw Canada beat uh, Cuba 4-2. Uh, CONCACAF refs keep on CONCACAFing, so that's always fun. And I thought to myself, and also on the uh, Northern Football Podcast, uh, they have this question, could Canada host maybe a um, a Gold Cup? I don't think we can, because we don't have the grass pitches. We have great facilities, yes. I mean, if we're looking at facilities in Canada, I mean, if you had to, I mean, Olympic Stadium, Commonwealth Stadium, BC Place, all 50-plus stadiums. Rogers Center could host it. Yes, but not necessarily going to happen. McMahon Stadium at the University of Calgary probably won't get it. IG Field, Mosaic Field, BMO Field, that 28s, high 20s to low 30s. BMO's your biggest grass pitch. TD Place is 24, turf. Tim Hortons Field, turf. Stad Saputo, that's the only other grass stadium, which is a bit unfortunate, but that is just the reality of the pitch. In terms of large grass stadiums, the next biggest one, technically speaking, is the Ottawa Stadium, if that's even still there, with about 10,000 capacity. And that doesn't have the numbers to host a Gold Cup. I do think it has the potential to maybe host a a youth tournament. I, I think Canada could be in the running to host qualification rounds. I think that could work. And, and I think that is possible in terms of seeing what we can and can't do. But I, I think this is where, like, the question in terms of the legacy of the sport that we have to start having because, I mean, this this is built off of a lot of things, right? We have, again, we had the U.S.-Mexico joint uh, bid. Is it a missed opportunity by the CSA? It could be. Um, also, it could just be a CSA that's looking at it and saying, no. And maybe we weren't asked anyways. Who said no matters in the situation, right? It's, well, building off of the infrastructure from before. Yes, we can look back when... The, we hosted the Women's World Cup. We had no grass pitches. BMO was up at that point. It was the national stadium at that point. And I think the Moncton Stadium was grass, but then they switched it to to, to, the, to the turf. But since that World Cup to <laughs> this World Cup in 2026, Canada will have gone from having technically one grass pitch to two, and then after the World Cup, we'll have 
three. And again, the criteria is more than 10,000 people capacity, right? Because Wanderer's Ground is a grass pitch, but the capacity there is about six to 7,000. And so building off that legacy, we've been able to bring grass to BC plays, which is a fine facility. That's fine. But I think the lack of grass is, is low key a thing. And it's been probably one of my criticisms of the CPL. I understand guys, before this goes any further, I get it easier to maintain winters, all those things. I get it that it's easier and it's a cheaper option. And I understand if you look in the CPL, right? We kind of did this. I did this yesterday, but then I realized I didn't record. If we look at the CPL, how many grass pitches do we have in the CPL? We have two. There's field turf. Yes, there's artificial turf. There's other things. But in terms of actual grass pitches, we have two. We have Atco Field, 6,000 capacity. That's for Cavalry FC. And then we have Wanderers Ground, 6,200 grass that's the newest grass stadium we have. Everything else is artificial turf. So could we host, say, a qualification round in CONCACAF? Potentially. I mean, we saw with the women's tournament that's going on right now that CONCACAF is, is a little bit more relaxed in terms on the women's side with the grass pitches versus non-grass pitches, which is a whole conversation in itself. But yeah, we saw Nicaragua. We saw Curacao host. They were doing that on artificial turf, on field turf, um, non-grass pitches. So because of that, could we see that? I think we could. I think ideally what would be nice is if you could get maybe some of these 6,000s and then just group them together and then use them as pitches to play a qualification tournament. Somewhere like BC, this could work out well, right? If somehow we were able to... If Starlight and or Willoughby's Community Park, those two are 60 to 60 to 7, 65 to 7,500 in terms of capacity and relatively new. If Canada Soccer put in a joint bid for those two spots, those two spots to say, yeah, we're going to host. Or maybe you did something East Coast, right? You just put everything at Wanderer's Ground and then you hosted a group there. That is more than doable. I think that is an interesting way of maybe growing, getting more eyes, growing the national teams. This is also a person who said, why don't we see the national, the youth teams try to get some friendlies in Canada, bring some teams over and just use the CPL stadiums. You're telling me that we couldn't sell out or at least get 4,000 people out to Atco Field to watch the men's U-20s or the women's U-20s? Especially when we look at what, what foothills are doing out there. We see what Calvary's done in the CPL. You're telling me that we couldn't actually use that as a means just to really grow the game there. Ideally, a place like IG Field or Mosaic would be nice. But again, because they're field turf and working on that aspect, maybe they get a bit more looks. But why not? Why haven't we been able to see something like that? I think that would be an interesting look in terms of what could we use for those just small things we don't have to go big right hosting the world cup in a few years is going to be big and it's going to affect as much as it affects 
country and its perception. Soccer, I'm sorry. Soccer and its perception in this country. If we look at the infrastructure, what is it really doing? We made BC Place switch from grass to, from a field turf to grass. So now we have three plus 18,000 capacity grass stadiums. Which is fine. But I mean, that's about all that we've done. We will bring more eyes to it, but that's it. There are little things that we could be taking advantage of, especially because we know over these next four years, CONCACAF's qualification. You know there's going to be one for the U-17s. There's going to be one for the U-20s. And we know on all fronts, Canada's going to have to play in the qualification. So couldn't we host one? I mean, right now we look at it. This tournament for the women's U-20s is finishing up in the next few days. So you're telling me that maybe a place like BC couldn't host two locations. Maybe when the U-17s for women, that might be an option. Again, the grass pitches might not work for the men's. And again, that's a whole conversation. Why is it that they have standards for the men and then the women are like, yeah, y'all could use turf, y'all are fine. It's a full-on conversation that needs to happen. And that's, that's one thing in terms of growing the game. The other thing that looms with this lack of grass pitches is with Project 8 in the background. I mean, a women's league is going to come, and at this point, they have Foothills has its uh, stadium. But then outside of that, where are they going to play? Everywhere they could potentially play are... Artificial turf, field turf, stadiums, non-grass stadiums. And yes, the injury <laughs> pandemic that's sweeping through women's football has a lot of factors to do it. But you also have to take into account the ground. So then, if that's the case, now you're looking at, bridges again, look at all the CPL. If you're going to, hypothetically, if you said Canada, uh, the women's domestically could play in CPL stadiums right? You are left with Wanderer's Ground. Uh, until MLSC actually chooses to be involved, that's probably not up. That's probably not there. It's not a, an available field. There's the Woodbridge uh, pitch that's getting built up, and that could be interesting, but that won't be ready. And then, so you have Wanderer's Ground, and then you'd have Calvary, which is in Foothills County, which one would assume that Foothills probably plays there. So you have one. If the Whitecaps FC, if they play, they're not probably playing at BC Place. They'll probably play maybe one of the training facilities there, but then that means you're now, we don't know what we have in terms of those. If they put something in alumni field in PEI, that's also an artificial turf field. If they decide to go to somewhere like Moncton, that's also artificial turf field. So, like, are we setting ourselves up? And I think that's one of been my criticisms, I think, of the CPL and its expansion. We're building for where we are versus where we could be. Right? And I guess I know the I'm very much aware that where we are in terms of attendance is slowly building back up. 
You have some teams who are building fan bases like Atletico, Ottawa. You have some teams who folded. Edmonton FC, Valor, yo, be careful. Be careful out there, Valor. But look at, I'm looking at just going through the list of most, if not all, of the MLS stadiums, right? Alliance in Minnesota, grass. America First in Utah, grass. Audi Field in D.C., grass. Bank of America is turf, but that's because they're shared. But that stadium is going to actually switch to grass in its renovations in a few years. B.C. Place is Polytan, and that's where we're at with that. Hybrid grass for BMO. BMO Stadium, grass, grass. Everything's grass, grass. Gillette Stadium. The only people really, yeah, outside of the Portland Timbers who play at uh, Providence Park. Only, yeah, so only them and then TQL Stadium in Ohio for Cincinnati. Only the stadiums that are sharing with NFL teams have, yeah, have field turf, right? Charlotte FC, who shares with the Charlotte Panthers or the Carolina Panthers, field turf because it's an NFL pitch, and that's getting switched. Uh, New England Revolution sharing with the Patriots, field turf as well. Seattle Sounders sharing with the Seahawks, field turf. Mercedes-Benz Stadium sharing with the Falcons, field turf. Everyone else is grass. And then just the timbers there. Even Soldier Field where Chicago Fire play, they get grass. But there's not much more outside of that. And even the new the new Miami Freedom Park Stadium, which is supposed to open in 2025, they don't have grass. You're looking at old stadiums. Grass, grass, grass. Only Orlando City, Chicago Fire. Those were field turf. And then the old Empire Fields, which actually that might, that might factor in potentially for the... Uh, for the team known as the uh, Vancouver Whitecaps women's team, they could end up being there, but then they dismantled that park, and I haven't seen anything from in terms of what that park looks like now. But still, we don't have the capacity. I think when we look at CPL expansions, I mean, I know Saskatoon was looking at one, and I know the winter one. I was looking at some of their numbers, and realistically, Capacity for six to eight thousand, six to eight thousand is usually what they're looking at, and some sort of field turf, artificial turf, hybrid. And the question is, yes, we don't have to build twenty to thirty thousand people, but could could we get to fifteen? I know things are expandable, but I mean, let's look at what's happened to BMO Field, right? BMO was built as a 10, then it got expanded to 18, now it got, then it got expanded to 24 to 28, and then it's going to get expanded with temporary seatings up to 40. And that's not a... Aesthetically, it's a bit of an eyesore because you can tell how it was originally built, but why not just actually build it? And the issue now is like, okay, you're building these stadiums... And that's a whole conversation. We're, we're going to have to have another full-on conversation in terms of what goes into building CPL stadiums, 
um, where the funding from that is coming, how that is built. Because, you know, we've seen some municipal pushback. Um, in Saskatoon, we've seen that in terms of what they can and what they don't want to, where um, municipal and provincial funding goes versus private. You know, have they gone the route of building it more so from us? If we look at stadiums being built, we look at, say, like American sports versus Canadian sports. And I think that's also a very interesting point that has to be addressed, which is we don't always have to build things in the North American model, right? Um, we understand that that model has been there, but that doesn't mean others can't, right? Yesterday, two days ago, we just saw um, TSS Rovers beat Valor FC in the Voyager's Cup. And in the world, in most other places, if you look to Europe, that's the structure, right? You have small teams playing larger teams, and then in doing so, that gives you the opportunity to build. Those teams can get the opportunity to play bigger teams, grow them. More players get seen. You move up the ranks, and you go from there. And I think, could we potentially see more of that? I don't know. We, we did see something interesting in terms of the Voyager's Cup, which, transitioning to that, kind of falls into this whole conversation of, are we doing the best to set ourselves up for success? Because, um, yeah, so Chris Corgan actually put this thread out right before the Voyager's Cup and talked a little bit about what the requirements were for hosting, which is why we saw a lot of teams not want to host. Um, because ultimately what we saw there is just the idea of making it, it was so cost prohibitive in terms of who was responsible for what. Because in, in an ideal situation, you'd have bigger clubs hosting smaller clubs and going through. But what happens if the opposite goes through? Right? What happens if a smaller club has to host a bigger cup? What are the financial ramifications? And we, we saw a little bit of it in terms of this, what the requirements are. All right. <laughs> the beauty of editing is the idea that we... <laughs> I could cut out all the dead space. But here here's... So looking at... <laughs> so J. Fitzsimmons and Chris uh, Corey Brock about... And this all started with this idea of what is required, right? So... Here's the thread and going in. So the thread goes in for protein. So the current rule is that the home team picks up all the costs, including travel and accommodations for the visiting team, which we're not in a state that can do this. And these were the rules for the Voyager's Cup, because, again, I think they built it ideally in a sense where, hey, most of the times um, it's going to be a big team hosting a smaller team. But what happens when it comes in reverse? And we saw that with a lot of teams opting out to host. And that's not... And we saw a lot of teams not wanting to host. But we saw Ottawa not wanting to host. Um, and, and so on and, and so forth. Ottawa was one of the big ones. Because it was like, wow, after a successful season that they had, and they didn't want to host. Because if you grab... 
if you grab, and we'll just go through the thread here. So the current tournament rules means that the home team picks up all the costs, including travel and accommodations of the visiting team, right? That's probably fine for pro teams, but for semi-pro teams like TSS, it's a huge opportunity and a huge effort and expense. It will cost tens of thousands of dollars to host. Thrilled for the chance. We signed up for it. We want to showcase this game at home. That's fine. What it means is we can use support, and it goes into that, right? But if you aren't local, you can participate by donating tickets, doing all those things. And again, there's a lot that goes into it. But that's the question. Do rules like that, will a rule like that get looked at in terms of lessening the burden on these teams? Because if not, the, the grassroots level is there. And yes, because we've seen one team. I mean, we saw a CPL team beat an MLS team. And now we've seen a League One team beat a CPL team. Are we setting ourselves up for the point where now, like, I wonder what this looks like eventually when you have the Women's League, right? You have the Voyager's Cup, the Traveler's Cup, however you want to call it, for the women's. And then you have, what, your eight professional teams. Are you looking at your um, your League One teams? You're bringing them up. Or what are they able to do in that respect? You don't have a CPL level, per se. I mean, an MLS level, but you have lower levels. How do we then split that cost? How are people able to support? Little things like that where we make the game accessible, where we make the game enjoyable, those things go a long way in building, which is why I think some of the pushback with something like a One Soccer is it's the games are there, but are they accessible? I, I do think when the Women's League gets going, I think they'll have a nice boom off this top because I think they may be able to get their games onto television before say the cpl and one soccer are able to do that and getting games even if it's just on the cbc app i think that helps build it but little things like these tournaments where we get to showcase right we look at a concept like say like i know it's lost a little bit of its luster but like hockey town in canada right craft hockey town in canada right little things like that were big because for small communities, I mean, I, I grew up in a small, well, I wouldn't, is well in a small community? I don't know. But I grew up there. And, like, when we had, when it came to St. Catharines or Niagara, like, it felt like a big event. And, and small communities, like, they make big events out of this. And there, that's when we get to showcase, you know, what we can do, what we're all about, our culture, all our fun, all that fun stuff. But when... If hosts just have to do that, you're just essentially saying we only want you guys to host because if we can't host, it, it's too much of a financial burden to host. We're starting to reach this point, I think, in the sporting Canada, whether it's fair or not, where growth versus profit is going to be the conversation if it isn't there already because... I mean, we saw it a little bit with the men's uh, Nations League game. And with the Voyager's Cup, it does make it difficult to think. Because next year, I mean, especially when you're looking at the ideas of potentially... You have PLSQ. And when we have the uh, Western Showcase for Alberta. Soon, probably by 2026, we are going to have league one teams in most of the country right 
probably in two years you'll get League One Maritimes. In a year or so, you'll probably get the Alberta League One. And then a little bit after that, you're we're probably looking at probably 26, 27. You're looking at either at Manitoba, Western Ontario League. And then maybe they do that with um, Alberta. Or in Saskatchewan, either goes with Alberta or goes with Manitoba. But that's an additional... That's an additional three to four more teams that you add to a Voyager's Cup. So the question then becomes, well, are we able now to truly see <laughs> the sports throughout Canada? There's, there's a lot that goes in. and But are we giving ourselves the best opportunity for teams to come in and succeed? This isn't like a conversation, for example, from if you're looking at, say, expansion and you're looking at, say, a sport like hockey and see how like a teams like Vegas and Seattle were able to be competitive quickly. But are the barriers for entry overwhelming or are they not? I still have that theory where I think at some point that second tier and some of these high semi-pro teams, I mean, we're seeing... We're going to see again how this two-tiered system of a, a promotion and relegation in League One Ontario looks. And I do think that there's a level above that that needs to be filled in the Canadian soccer pyramid. And, and that level is also below the CPL, but something there where we can start to push some of the, <laughs> the eagers, like the Simcoe counties, the teams like TSS Rovers, right? Maybe whenever they, um, because we've seen them with the women's side, when Foothills gets going, we, we have teams in Canada who are in the USL too, Thunder Bay, getting their season off the ground soon, right? There is Canadian teams. I would love to see a Thunder Bay part of the Canadian, uh, the Voyagers Cup. I, I think having teams like Thunder Bay there would really do well because then that gives all those teams the opportunity. I think all teams should have the opportunity to play who are in Canada, and that may need some review from just the rule standpoint, but I think it would be great because then it opens it up, you know, more like, not less the, more of like an FA Cup as it should be, where all clubs who'd want to be in the country are available to join. But yeah, I think it's, it's interesting. Canada soccer is very interesting. Again, another short episode today, just because weren't able to cover as much. We've got Earl Crochane who just stepped down and I don't have the capacity to talk about it right now. I'm not going to lie. So I'll say that for another conversation, another discussion. But how we are building the sport today is going to affect how we can expand on it tomorrow because are we then using... Are we, are we using... Are building blocks today as stepping stones or do we have to tear up what we did today in 10 years so that we can go to the next level and I, I think this is why I'm very watching things like stadiums watching things like capacities looking at things like the pitches looking at just the infrastructure I think that to me is fascinating yes equal treatment for both national teams is important um, 
all those things do matter. But the thing that is always for me been the frustrating thing is watching a CPO and saying, yes, I know capacity isn't where it is and it's growing, but we're two good seasons away, right? From inching those capacity numbers up. And then what's the question we're having, right? Is the question we're having, we need to expand and then that's now another amount? We don't, I don't think having a situation like we had with BMO. BMO is different because it's owned by MLSC. It, it has the funding to do so. Asking the CPL to start to expand, build, in some cases, tear down and rebuild stadiums to meet a capacity that we hope to reach is going to be more cost prohibitive than anything. But those are just my thoughts. I'm, I've rambled enough, guys. But yeah, we, we've talked about a few interesting things here today. Just my thoughts moving through, but we'll leave it there for now as we continue on. Depending on when you're listening to this, the women's under 20 are either about to play, have already played, or and we know. So depending on when you're listening to, congratulations, Sydney Ty, or we need to have a conversation about U20, but I think they should get the job done. So just quick thoughts. Maybe we'll do this also and have this conversation from a little bit from different perspectives. Because I think that's actually something that we need to do. We need to be able to learn from the mistakes of others and not make those mistakes ourselves. So maybe that's a conversation we have a little bit later on where we compare our current structure with structures around the world. And maybe that's where we go next. But until then, question from the African saying, thank you guys. Um, Depending on when you're listening to, happy day of the week. Sunday weekend, Tuesday, if you're listening to this, or if you're listening to this on a Monday, welcome back to the work week. But we're going to wrap this up here. Let me just say bye-bye for now.